Welcome to the Patricia King Podcast. We are going to build the kingdom of God in this hour. Jesus is sitting on the cloud. I believe that we are in the end time harvest season. But we're going to do exactly what he told us to do. We're going to disciple nations. Amen. Oh, my goodness. It's already been an amazing day, and it's just going to keep building. Um, the 9 a.m., we felt God. We're feeling more of him tonight. We're going to feel even more. I want to encourage you, and I realize this might, re- this might stir up a little Holy Spirit chaos, but he's large and in charge, so that's okay. As we were feeling the raindrops, I was smelling the wine. And I feel like one of the things God is getting ready to do, and for you at home as well, is that the rain he's about to release to you is a rainstorm of wine. And that there's a joy coming. There's a refreshment in the joy. And I see these waves and waves of waves and waves of wine. And it's, 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 it's heaven's wine. And it's, you know, we've, the, the world's going through a lot right now. And we need that refreshment. I, I can think for our ministry, every time we've had the visitations of the wine, it's usually because we've been through something and God wants to refresh us with that joy. And I tell you what, we are coming into the greatest season to be alive. We have seen the world take its best shot and fail, or the enemy, I should say, take its best shot in the world and fail, and God is about to move, and this morning we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his new Pentecost fire as we gather here together on Pentecost Sunday, and it is amazing that we are gathering here together. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. And you know, when we were talking about praying for the nation and how even our president said he wants the churches open, he wants the places of faith open so people can gather together in faith, worship God, and pray for each other. If you've been stirred by that, I forgot what I had in my Bible when Patricia was talking about that. But a couple years ago, we put together eight decrees to heal the nation. And um, we got such a great response to it. This is the old one that we did for the USA. We got such a demand for it for the different nations around the world for our global family that we put together a, a another one that was for all, that you could pray over any nation in the world that's your nation. If you don't have that and you want to be praying for this nation or your nation, email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com, and I'll send you a PDF of that document. It makes it very easy for you to pray for God to move in your nation. There's eight decrees, and as you decree them, they're, 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 they're very powerful, and it will bring a move of God to your nation because you'd pray for your nation. That's the beginning of the move of God. All right, so I want to talk to you this morning about New Pentecost fire, and um, because God is up to something today as he builds. Um, I didn't get to my notes really in the 9 a.m., so we'll see how we do at the 1030, but um, as we were in worship, the Lord gave me a scripture to open up with that was not in my notes, but if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, turn to Revelation 19. Because as I was sitting in my chair over there and feeling God move, I was feeling the waves, but it was of his wind. I could feel the winds blowing and the winds stirring. And we know, according to the book of Hebrews, as we talk about wind and fire, that those are his servants. Those are his messengers, the angels. Those are the ones that minister to us, that bring us presents, that bring you guys more and more of that right there, more and more and more. And as I was feeling the wind, I was getting excited for the fire. And this is when God dropped this scripture on me. Revelation 19, I'm going to read to you starting in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened. Say heaven is open. 
Jesus Christ opened the heavens at the cross of Calvary. Then I saw heaven opened <laughs> and a white horse was standing there and the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True. And Lord, we call you Faithful and True. In all things, at all times, we call you faithful and true in our nation and our cities. We call you faithful and true in our families and our relationships. We call you faithful and true in our finances and in our callings. We call you faithful and true in our government and our policies. We call you faithful and true in bringing forth solutions and wisdom in a time when the world is discovering the world system fails. But God, you are faithful and true. The one called faithful and true because he fairly judges and then goes to war. And the Lord is about to go to war on behalf of his people. Not against anyone, but for everyone. The Lord is going to go to war against the powers and principalities that have come against his people. And his people are not only his church. We're his tribe. But he's created all people to know him. And there's not one out there who's suffering or broken or afraid. There's not one out there that he won't go to war for. He proved it at the cross. Everyone, everywhere, for all time, no matter what they're trapped in, no matter what mistakes they're making, I'm living proof of it for almost four decades. I mocked and persecuted him and his church, and he went to war for me with his love. That day he showed up and said, I refuse not to love you. And that began to shift everything. And the Lord is going to war with love. And you are his troops. And you are his people. And you are his ground forces when you go and you lay hands and you're willing to pray and you're willing to love. You are his air forces. You're willing to decree and declare and send forth the word of the Lord. You are his Marines willing to land in any shore, in any place, in any situation and go to war with love. You're his Navy sailing on the high seas of move after move of the Holy Spirit being launched further and further out in wave after wave after wave of his presence and his power and his personality. The Lord is going to war. He has shown himself true. He has shown himself faithful and he is moving on you, for you, in you, and he is about to move through you. The Lord is faithful and true. He judges fairly. He looks at the injustices in the world, and he does not give place to anger or wrath or overreaction. He goes and he says, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, but he will judge fairly. He will bring the solutions, and we are part of that solution. And there are many things in the earth right now that need solution. And one of the traps of the enemy that we've fallen into, because these things seem so big and so impossible and so rooted and grounded and institutional, that we feel powerless. So in that, the enemy comes in with a lie of anger being power, offense being power, rebellion being power. And I understand why sometimes we grab hold of it because nothing else has seemed to work. But this is why God says the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. He's not saying don't be bad and get angry. He's saying, I know this trap and I don't want you to step into it. I know the lure of anger and offense and bitterness because it looks like nothing else has worked. So set a building ablaze. 
And he says, no, the anger of man will not achieve the righteousness of God. He says, do not give foothold to the enemy through anger. And one thing I am learning over and over and over again, repeating a mistake in a different direction is not a solution. And God is saying he will go to war and he will show you how to war. And he shows us here. And this is where the fire comes in. So the one who's willing to go to war, it says his eyes were bright like flames of fire. His eyes were bright like flames of fire. We've experienced the wind. Now we're going to get the new Pentecost fire. That fire is his love for you. That fire in his eyes is how he looks at the world, how he looks at every situation, how he looks through the eyes of love. And those aren't eyes that are passive. Those are eyes that see things how they really are, see the powers and principalities behind the darkness, knows we war not against flesh and blood. Even if that flesh and blood has made a mistake over and over and over, over and over again, even if it's an institutionalized mistake, we look through the eyes of love and see the real problem, the real root, and then in love and in the power of love, we're able to bring solution, we're able to bring breakthrough. His eyes were bright like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He is the king of kings, but he doesn't just wear one crown. He wears many crowns. What does that mean? It means he's the authority and he rules and reigns in every situation, everywhere, all the time, no matter what, especially those things that seem way too big for us. He wears a crown for that and will move in power and authority. A name was written, in, written on him and only he knew what it meant. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, and with it he went to war for the nations. He ruled them with an iron rod, he tread the wine press. Thank you for the wine, God, of the fierce wrath of Almighty God, not wrath against man, not wrath against Republicans, not wrath against Democrats not wrath against any people or place or race or denomination or situation, but a wrath against the powers and principalities that are stealing from all the people. On his robe and thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is who our God is. Every situation, he's Lord of Lords. In other words, every situation he has ownership in. Not just ownership of, but ownership in. He cares. He's there. He notices. He's going to bring the solution, and he's king of kings, so he will rule and reign in every one of those situations. And this is why it's so important that we not only grab hold of him for his power and his presence, but for his personality as well, so that we move according not only to, to see things torn down, but see them torn down according to his character and nature, because when he tears something down, it's the powers and principalities behind what is wrong. And so it can be built back up according to the kingdom way. There's so much in this world that, that needs addressing right now, and God is not surprised by any of it, not overwhelmed by any of it, not at a loss, and not losing in any of it. And his solution in the earth is you. 
You have been manifested in this exact time and place. How amazing has our God been these last few months? Incredible. And I'm not saying there haven't been challenges. I'm not saying there haven't been difficulties. But I look around and every single one of us has come through. We're here, right? We've come through. God has led us through. God has been true. God has been faithful. God has made a way. We do a monthly um, Zoom gathering we call it our community connect time and our men on the front lines group and people all over the world actually will join us for a time together on zoom and we've been checking in with each other and seeing how everybody's doing and and what's been surprising to me is many of the guys in our group when I checked in with them last time and we did this um, many of them were saying it's uncanny what God has done in my business, or it's uncanny what God has done in my family, or it's uncanny what God has done in my relationships or my marriage in this season. Now, I know that there are reports in the world of things like domestic violence on the rise because of the lockdown. I'm not making light of that, but I'm saying God has shown us, his people, that he is a solution in every situation, and that what he's doing right now is he is bringing us through so we can bring others in, because what's about to happen is the greatest harvest we've ever seen. And even in seasons like this, when the enemy meant to divide and so there was such an assignment in the spirit. And you know, I've heard the different stories. And I, I'm probably not smart enough to figure out where COVID-19 came from. I don't know if it was a bioweapon. I don't know if it was man-made or some sheep burped on the other side of the world and that's what brought it forth. I don't know for sure. What I do know is this. Our God is greater than it. These are not the days of COVID-19. These are not the days of sickness and disease. These are not the days of fear and division. These are the days of the Lord Jesus Christ who saves, who heals, and delivers. Is there darkness in the earth? Yes. Is there deep darkness on some people? Yes. What does that mean? We get to arise and shine for our light has come. We get to be set ablaze because our fiery one looks at every situation faithful and true through burning eyes of love, and he's looking at you so he can ignite you with his love and help you go out there and arise and shine for our light, our flame, our wind, our fire, our oil, our wine has come. And so I want to talk this morning about the new Pentecost fire because we're gathering on this historic day. We've come through a historic Passover like we talked about last week. We are coming into a historic Pentecost. We are expecting great and mighty things, even right here, right now, God. Please feel free to move with complete and total freedom and abandon. But Lord, we are expectant of who you are and what you're like and for you to ignite us afresh and send us out into the world. I'm going to read to you out of Acts 2 from that wonderful, glorious, historic Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. How great is it to be back together in one place? Lord, we thank you. We, we, we notice things, God. We notice that right here today, for the first time in a long time, we are gathered together in one place. You know, there's so many prophetic signs when you're willing to have eyes of love, eyes of expectation, first of God, and then what he can do in the earth. Even yesterday, we as a family were celebrating three different birthdays in our family yesterday, so we had one big um, celebration for all three birthdays. And my, my brother-in-law, Q, who's a great guy, he was sharing with me some of the uh, video of the SpaceX launch. 
And I've always, I've always been fascinated by space launches, and I know some people think this, that, or the other thing about NASA. And I've always loved space launches because I was a very, very little boy. I think I was four years old when my parents woke me up from sleep so I could see the moon landing on a old black and white TV. And ever since then, I've always thought, what a great testimony of truly all things are possible. And now I know even more all things are possible with Christ. And you happen to be one of those people that believe that the space launch didn't happen and it was just a, a NASA movie put on by Hollywood or whatever. Hey, God bless you. But even that, look at this. They found a way to convince almost everybody but you that we went to the moon. That in itself would be a huge thing, right? Truly all things are possible. But God is gathering us together in one place. Oh, I know where I was going with that. So here's the SpaceX launch. And I started looking at that and even new things that are being done. Like my brother-in-law Q said, hey, do you know that the, the, the booster rocket now lands back on, and I'm like, it does what now? And he showed me this video and I was like, this is amazing because it doesn't just fall off into the sea. It comes back and it lands. And so I started looking into this. And you know, when you're a prophetic people willing to look at things with hope and expectation, everything becomes prophetic. God can point to an ominous branch and give a word to the nation Israel. Look at Jeremiah 1. And I started thinking, God, for the first time since July 8, 2011, so for the first time in, in nine, eight, nine years, you are showing us how we can soar higher in you. And it's the Falcon 9, and 9 is the number of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if we're willing to look to God and expect to soar like never before, things that haven't happened for years, I believe, are going to happen through the gifts of the Spirit in the church. And what was the destination? It was the International Space Station. They just docked there recently. And again, for me and you guys who were with us last week online, you heard me share passionately about how unity is what makes place for the great move of God, and it's been the missing ingredient in the church, but God is revealing the secret power of together so that we can see great and mighty things. The destination was the International Space Station, a place of unity and cooperation that's way up high, and if we will cooperate together, if we will gather together in one place, not only in a physical room, and thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you, President Trump, for ordering this to happen in this historic moment. Praise you. We thank you, Jesus, that you used our president to make a declaration so that we can be gathered together in one place under authority because that's where the power comes from. Lord, that we will go higher, that you are launching your church higher in the gifts and fruit of the Spirit than ever before. So they were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Lord, fill the house again today, and fill each of us who is your dwelling place again today. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who think, I've already been baptized in the Spirit, I remind you of James and John and Peter who had also received the Spirit, and they were there that day, and it was a fresh filling and a fresh empowerment. So, Lord, we ask you for that, a fresh baptism. Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, or the Holy Spirit began to empower them. And what I love about this is not only the, how God moved and, and what we see of his flames of fire there, but immediately they went out 
and 3,000 were added to the church in that day, that this coming move of God, the new Pentecost fire, it's about connecting with his burning heart of love. It's about getting ignited so that we go. That rocket was ignited yesterday, and isn't it interesting, after three days of delay, three days and then it rose. What a prophetic sign. It was supposed to happen another day. And why was it delayed? Because of clouds and lightning. So for three days of cloud and lightning, and then it arose. And Lord, we thank you for your clouds and your lightning in the spirit. And even that was a testimony that when we get a fresh revelation of your complete, utter, and total resurrection after three days, that we will be launched out like never before in Jesus' name. But you know, God did something amazing on that day back then. Why? Because the world needed it. The world was looking for a political solution. It was looking for a social solution. It was looking for a religious solution. So much so that even those who walked the closest with the Lord missed what he was doing. Their mind was so set on what it was going to look like that they actually at first even missed the power of what he did at the cross. But on that day of Pentecost after he met with them and mentored them, and he said, tarry, and he gave them the grace to tarry. There were three there that couldn't tarry for an hour in prayer at the garden, and now they were supernaturally empowered to tarry for 10 days in prayer. God is doing something. God is moving. Why? Because the world needs it. The world needed a great move then. The world needs a great move now. We don't even have to be even slightly prophetic to see that. We don't even need, you know, a TV anymore. I don't even know if we, I, honey, I know you're watching. We don't even really have TV anymore, do we? We just have all these different apps that stream all these different things. But you know, with your news app or whatever, however, it's so clear that the world's in desperate need of a move of God. Why? Because the systems of the world have failed the world. And everyone is searching and hungry for a power greater than themselves. They're just not sure what it is yet. Some people think it's this candidate. Some people think it's that candidate. There are people that was like, oh, if only so-and-so had been elected, everything would have been better. No. 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 The one true answer is Jesus Christ. And his one true answer is you in him, with him, and for him. And he ignited his people on the day of Pentecost and sent them out and 3,000 were added. But even in that, they were so determined on what it was probably going to look like that Peter, even that day, had to stand up and say, no, 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 this is that. We can be so locked in on what we're expecting, even me, about today, as I've been praying into this for the last week. Lord, I'm expecting your fire to fall, and I'm, I'm seeing things, and I'm commanding things, and all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord invited me. Don't get so set on what you think it's going to look like that you miss what I'm doing. And we always think, God, if you just tell us, it'd be so much easier. And it's very interesting. This year, he keeps highlighting to me over and over again, actually, it wouldn't be. Because there at the Last Supper, they said, oh, someone's going to betray you? Tell us. He said, all right, fine, I'll tell you. Whoever dips their bread next, it's him. Judas dips his bread next. And the next thing that's said is, so who's it going to be? I just told you and showed you and you missed it. And you've heard me share again and again and again out of Matthew 16, where Jesus says, all right, guys, you've asked for me to be really clear. I'm going to be really clear. Here's what we're going to do. No more parables. I'm going to tell you straight. 
going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer at the hands of my accuser. I will be tried. I will be found guilty. I will be crucified. I will die. And three days later, I will rise from the dead and bring forth the total victory we've been talking about for these last three years. And what do they say? Lord, don't let any of this happen to you. I just mapped it out for you guys. So why am I saying that? Because I believe we are coming into a new Pentecost and a new Pentecost fire. And I am not saying lower your expectations from a mighty wind and a roaring fire. I am saying raise your expectations to something exceedingly abundantly beyond your ability to ask, think, or comprehend. God is not put off if you're locked into what it's going to look like. And that's a good thing because you have faith and you're praying into that. And the substance of your faith helps bring that forth. He's simply saying, you've wanted me to do exceedingly abundantly. I'm about to do it. What do we say at Shiloh? There's only one reason God doesn't meet our expectations. It's because he's going to exceed them. And we'll get so locked into what it's going to look like. But you know what? Even if we do, he'll find a way. He had Peter stand up and say, this is that. He's going to find a way. You all are part of the solution. You all are part of the solution. And he is releasing that fresh fire. He is releasing that fresh wind. But he's going to do something. He's going to answer our prayer to make it exceedingly abundantly beyond our ability to ask, think, or comprehend. A quick review of last week. He's given us two keys to make sure that we are a part of this move. One, keep our eyes on him. Tarry until you receive the promise from the Father. Keep your eyes on the Father. That's not him withholding information. That's him showing us the way. Even when he said to the disciples in John 14, I am going to prepare realms for you that are going to blow your mind. I am going ahead of you. I am going to achieve everything we've talked about. There are rooms and realms in my Father's house in heaven. I am preparing for you, not just for the sweet by and by, but I'm going to prepare it for you because you are about to become the overlap of heaven and earth when you receive my Holy Spirit. And you will move in such realms. And they said, that sounds really good, but... How are we going to get there? And Jesus said, oh, I am the way. Look at me, walk with me, trust in me. We started out in Revelation, the one who's faithful and true, the one who looks at every situation, every person, every place, every time with burning eyes of love. And he's going to teach us to do the same. So we know that looking at him is one of our keys, and the other one we talked about at length last week, so I won't go back into it in great detail, is unity. But one of the revelations God gave me this week as I was praying into and preparing for today was because we were talking about new Pentecost fire. I started reading about fire in different places in the Bible, and I, I, I learned something from Patricia a long time ago um, when, I, when she and Ron were first raising me up in ministry. They taught me about the law of first mentioned in the Bible, which means anytime you see something for the first time in Scripture, it will carry a measure of that in every mention, and it will help you understand and help frame. Like the example I used at the 9 a.m. is, you know, um, when Jesus 
curses the, the fig tree, it becomes a little more meaningful when we understand the first mention of fig in the Bible is when they took the fig leaf to cover themselves. And he's saying, he's, he's saying, I am cursing the, the, the curse of, un, of self-righteousness. And you can't achieve this by yourself, but you don't need to. For now, I am your true covering. And I am bringing you robes of white linen washed in my blood and made pure. So you never have to cover yourself in front of God with your own power, your own works. So that's an, an element of the law of first mention. So, or an example of the law of first mention. So I'm thinking, God, I never thought about this before. What is the first mention of fire in the Bible? And when I looked it up, it was Genesis 3.24, which says this. If one of you could come up and find this in my notes. Here we go. He placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So the very first mention of fire in the Bible is God setting up a boundary of protection for us because in the fallen state we were in, he knew if we went in and ate of the tree of life, which gives us eternal life, we would be forever in that fallen separated state. So he said, he's not punishing, he's not casting out and holding at arm's length. We kicked ourselves out of the garden. Why? Because we refused unity. We refused unity with God. We wanted to be Lord of our own life. So what does he do? The first mention of fire in the Bible is this border, is this boundary of protection so that we will enter back in through the true way of Jesus Christ. But what I find interesting then is so anytime as I was crying out this week, Lord, send your fire, send your fire, send your fire. What I got out of this revelation is whenever we choose unity, we are passing through that boundary of fire. We are able to go back in. So fire is not just sent. We engage the fire when we're willing to say, I don't want to be Lord of my own life. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. I say yes and amen to Jesus as my Lord, my God, my Savior. We are going through the fire. Why? Because selfishness, rebellion, division is being burned away from us when we do that. And then when we choose it with one another, we choose to be one body in him, with him, and for him. That, I believe, is why the fire fell at Pentecost is because every single person there, like we talked about at length last week, chose unity that they, they, they thought they were tearing for a few days. It went on much longer than their expectation. So stuff came up and they chose again and again and again. No, we're staying here together with God and we're staying here focused on him, but we're also choosing to be together. I'm not gonna leave because Peter's doing it wrong. And I'm not gonna get on Facebook and tell everybody how wrong Peter's doing it. I'm going through the fire. Why? Because I'm engaging the fire because I'm going through that boundary of separation that I've chosen in the past. And I'm entering into the fire and letting the, the, all those things, the wickedness, the selfishness, the arrogance of, of self and pride be burned away. Isn't it interesting that Malachi 4 that promises that the spirit of Elijah will precede the coming of the Lord. It begins, Malachi 4 begins with talking about the furnace of fire. And what does that furnace do? It burns up every wicked, selfish, and arrogant thing. Why? Because when we choose oneness with God, of course, we'll be able to then have all that burned away. And now we can look at our brothers and sisters and see them through those burning eyes of love because we've let arrogance, we've let selfishness, we've let wickedness, we've let pride, we let I, me, and mine burn away.
And what does the spirit of Elijah do when we're willing to engage that fire that purifies? It restores the children's heart to the father and the father's heart to the children. I personally believe the spirit of Elijah precedes every single move of God because what happens is that fire of love comes and burns away darkness and deception. So we realize the father's heart is for us. And then in that, our, our, our heart returns to him. That's my testimony for decades of mocking and persecuting the, the, the church and Jesus. And in that moment when he said, I refuse not to love you, I realized the father's heart was for me. And all those things in me that had created all that separation got burned up and fell away. And all I wanted to do was enter into that fire more fully and know him. But in that fire, then we want to make him known. There really aren't mentions of fire in the Bible that are the fire of God that doesn't involve a wanting to go out and share it. In 9 a.m., I mentioned Isaiah 6. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. He's touched by the burning coal of fire. What does he say? Here I am, God, bless me some more. He says, here I am, send me. I have been touched by your fire, and I'm no longer a wicked man who lives amongst wicked people. I am now a burning ember ablaze with you, and I must go and give it away. I must share with everyone everywhere. At Pentecost, the fire came. Immediately, they went out, and 3,000 were saved. And Moses encounters the fire of God at the burning bush, and who does he become? The deliverer of an entire nation. God sends forth his fire, which is love, to burn away any selfishness, any rebellion, any division, any offense, any bitterness. Why? So we can choose not only oneness with him, but oneness with one another. And then the fire falls again and again and again. Why? Because we're engaging the fire at every moment. How can I forgive? How can I get past? How can I have hope in a hopeless situation? Because I've chosen to enter into the burning heart of God. And now I'm aflame with his love for me. I'm aflame with his love for every single person. I know we have a race situation in our nation, but I know that Jesus Christ is the solution. And the more I step into his heart and I don't give in to bitterness and offense of the mistake that old white guys like me have made historically, and I don't get upset that I can look and say, why are you burning buildings down as opposed to building things up? But I can get into a place of mercy and love and compassion and see with burning eyes of his love and say, I've not experienced what you've experienced. Help me connect with your heart. Help me connect with your pain. Not so you tear something down, but so we can build something good together. But if I'm not willing to say, I haven't experienced that. I'm so sorry you have. How can I be part of a solution? How can I make you feel empowered? What can we do together? It's so easy to stand back and say, well, building those buildings, burning those buildings down won't do any good. It won't. You can't fight darkness with darkness. But as I've been praying into this, I've been connecting with the pain of what those people have gone through that I've never experienced. How can I respond with anything but mercy, love, and compassion? And when I do, all of a sudden I can say, of course your life matters. Every life matters. Help me help you. You help me. We're in this together. And only love will burn away hundreds of years of offense and mistakes. Amen. Only love. It's the same with the, the, the Republicans and the Democrats or the conservatives and the liberals. We, in the natural, we have lost the ability in this nation to sit down and hear others' hearts. 
We've gotten really, really lazy in our sense of no power. And so we lash back, we call names. We don't even listen to the other side. We just call them names. Oh, you're a Nazi. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a this. Oh, you're a that. Oh, you're a, and I won't even use the word because it breaks my heart, but a moron. But God looks at everyone through those burning eyes of new Pentecost fiery love. And he says, I, what did God say to me? I have not agreed with most of the decisions, positions, and policies of the last 38 and a half years of your life, but I am here to tell you, I refuse not to love you. I have a solution for you and it's me. <laughs> and if we can do that, and man, I tell you what, I know it's not easy, but all things are possible with God. All things are possible in God. All things are possible for God. And the new Pentecost fire that's coming, truly, God, open the ceiling now and send forth your fire. Make a sign of it. But it is here. It's his heart. It's his love. We've all been touched by it. Every single one of us have had an encounter with his love or we wouldn't have said yes to him. Every single one of us has an encounter with his fire we wouldn't have said yes to him. Yes, I'm believing for an increase of multiplication. I'm believing for it to build throughout the day. But the secret of receiving the new Pentecost fire is to be like Elijah, to move in that spirit of love. And very quickly, because I've got to wrap up and pray here. But what did he do? One of the greatest examples of the new Pentecost fire is the spirit of Elijah moving on Mount Carmel. What did he do? Did he get up on Mount Carmel and say, Lord, look around. These people have gone nuts, man. They're doing it wrong. Their heart's against you. Every position, every policy, it's wicked, it's occultish, it's witchcraft, it's rebellion. It was. But what did he do? He got up there, and first of all, he says to the Baal prophets, oh, you go ahead and go first. Take your best shot. Whatever you want, whatever time you need. And I am telling you, as I was preparing this message this week, one of the things the Lord spoke to me is the enemy has taken his best shot, and now it's my turn to move. The enemy has stirred up hate and fear and division and anger. He's come to steal, kill, devour, and destroy. If he thinks he's had a victory, he's nuts because I beat him at the cross. And now the fire of my love will fall. So the enemy's taken his best shot. And we can look at the manifestations of that and get hopeless, or we can look to him who is hope. We can look to him whose eyes are burning with a fire of love, hope, faith, and expectancy. And as we do, our eyes will be ignited with faith, hope, love, and expectancy. And as they are, we'll look around and say, oh, it's my God's turn. And here is the altar of my heart for you to fall upon. But not only that, what did Elijah do? He physically labored to bring the stones to repair the altar. But there weren't just random stones. Each stone, each boulder, not pebbles that were easy. Here's one, here's one. He had to pick these up and everyone in his heart represented a tribe of Israel. Now think about this. They were stones. Where else do we see a stone? We see a stone before the tomb. Heaven rolled the stone away 
on that wonderful first Easter. Why? So we could get into the place of resurrection. Heaven didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. He was not locked in. He, he, he has a history of walking through walls. He's good at that. It rolled away the stone so we could get in. Why? So anything, it's a, it's a prophetic picture of anything in our heart that is hard with fear or doubt or confusion is rolled away. We enter the place of resurrection power. It's the same today. Anything in our heart that is hard with offense or bitterness, a judgment against a brother or sister. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has to remind me to roll the stone away from my heart when I look at the progressive left. But me getting offended does no good. Me getting bitter does no good. Me giving any place to any lie of powerness or any lie that God doesn't want to see every single person saved, including them, it does no good. I have to let the stone of my heart be rolled away because then I'm in the place of resurrection power. So we see this picture with Elijah where he is bringing the stony hearts of each tribe back before the Lord. He repairs the altar with a prophetic, physical, laboring act to bring Israel tribe by tribe back before the Lord. He does not then say, Lord, I brought them back before you. The physical display of their stony hearts. Now, if you would punish them real good, <laughs> maybe you'll get their attention. No, he says, God, God, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God who is the God of Israel and all of its ancestors. God who has not turned away from the people that have turned away from you. Send forth your fire now so they know that you are their God. He goes to war for Israel, not against Israel. He enters into the fire of burning up judgment, offense, anger. And I am telling you, because Elijah was obviously one of the great men and great prophets of the Old Testament, but he was a man. So I am telling you there was opportunity for him to choose offense and bitterness against Israel, but he chose not to. He said, show up on their behalf, God. He engaged that fire that is the realm we must enter into, the burning heart of God, so we'd say no to wickedness or selfishness or arrogance or offense. We go into the fire and we are set ablaze, and then the fire draws the fire. I am telling you, we will see a move of the new Pentecost fire because we are willing to go into the fire. We are willing to go into the place of saying no to division, saying no to offense, saying no to anger, saying no to hate, saying no to those things that separate, and as we allow ourselves to be ignited with God's heart and those things to be burned up, fire draws fire. So Lord, if you do me a favor, please stand to your feet. Lord, today, on behalf of this nation, today, on behalf of all people in all places, today, we come before you, God, and we say, Lord, we engage the fire, and we let it do a deep work in each of our hearts. And God, burn up anything in us that is wicked or selfish or arrogant, anything in us that would want to separate or feel more than or greater than. Burn it all up, God. And God, just like Elijah today, as we allow that fire in us, we know it draws your fire, your love. As we are set more and more ablaze with your love, we see more with your love. We move more with your love. We speak more with your love. We choose more with your love. And God, we choose right now to bring every single church and denomination before you. And we say, Lord, we're not saying that they've separated from you, but God, what we're saying is where we've separated from each other in the body of Christ. 
We may have looked and said, well, they're not spirit-filled or they're not this or they're not that. Lord, we look to every single denomination and we say we are one body. We bring before you the Catholics and the Anglicans and the Episcopalians. We labor in our hearts to lovingly bring before you the Lutherans, the, 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 the Baptists, the, every denomination out there. Every house church, every parachurch, every evangelical church, every charismatic church, every denomination that lifts up the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we bring them before you and we declare we are one. God, we bring before you every political party in our nation, and for those of you online in your nation, Lord, we bring before you the Republicans and the Democrats. We bring before you the right and the left, the conservatives and the liberals. We bring before you the independents. We bring before you every single political party, every single political view, and we say, Lord, we know that you are their God. And Lord, truly what they're hungry for is a solution. And Lord, we know that is you, so we bring before you, we choose a heart of love towards every single person in every single office. We bring before you the White House. We bring before you the Senate. We bring before you the, 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 the local and state and national governments. We bring before you our schools. We bring before you our media. We bring before you our families. We bring before you our arts, God. We bring before you every single sphere of influence in this nation, every political party, the progressives, the libertarians. God, we bring before you every people, every ethnos, and every race. God, we bring before you the Hispanics and the Africans-Americans and the Native Americans. We bring before you the Caucasians. We bring before you the Asians and those of you joining us from other lands around the world. Bring forth before God the, the people of your nation including your indigenous people and all the people that dwell in that land. Lord, we declare that we are all one before you. And God, we're asking right here, right now, for you to send forth your fire on the altar of unity. We ask you to send forth your fire on the altar of your love for all people in all places. And God, by your grace, we are choosing to be one body right now, one with you and one with our brothers and sisters, your children all around the world, and especially in each of our individual nations. God, we choose unity. Send forth your fire to show that you are God of our nations, that you are God of every church, of every fellowship, that you are God of all people in all places, God. And Lord, we declare this day what Elijah declared on Mount Carmel. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in this land, that you are God amongst these people, and that we are your servants, willing to be set ablaze with your heart and go out and be an expression of your love. Show us that even today as we gather together and pray in faith and look to you in expectation that we do all this at your command. Oh Lord, answer us. Answer us so that people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to you. God, anywhere we have turned away from you in any way, from your presence, from your power, from your word, from your truth, from your Holy Spirit, show us now and send forth your fire to prove that you have not turned from us. Lord, we have turned away from unity or brotherhood in any way, in any place. We repent, and we ask you to move here and now to help us bring, to bring us together in love so that your fire will fall on the altar of unity and you will ignite us and set us ablaze and send us out in a world that is desperate for your warmth and light. And as I was preparing this message, God, you showed me that Shiloh Fellowship would become a burning bush 
that we, as we step into what we've been talking about even this whole year, that you would set us ablaze. And I ask you even now to send forth your wind and fire, your messengers on every single person here, every part of our family online, and ignite them. And the Lord showed me that we would be a burning bush. And just like the burning bush in Exodus 3 caused Moses to turn aside from the path that he was on, that as we allow God to ignite us with the fire of his love, that everywhere we go, everyone we encounter, we won't try to debate, we won't try to convince, we certainly won't try to shame or manipulate, but it will be his love, the burning heart of love, first that we'll be able to see them with, and then that we're filled with that will cause them to turn aside from the path that they've been on. So God, we're asking for grace. We're asking for patience. We're asking for your personality as much as your presence and power. And God, we are asking for your fire to fall now and set us ablaze. Fall on the altars of our heart and ignite us and ignite us and ignite us and launch us out higher and further than that Falcon 9 rocket. Launch us out to put on display the marvels of who you are to everyone, everywhere, all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Patricia's heart to build your faith, empower your love walk, and equip you for effective service in the kingdom. She prays you were richly blessed by this message. For more information about other Patricia King resources, events, or ministry partnership, connect with her on patriciaking.com. Also, follow her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and iTunes podcast.